0: Brandeis University, welcome to Recall This Book, where we assemble scholars and writers from different disciplines to make sense of contemporary issues, problems, and events. Today, as usual, your hosts are me, John Plotz, and to my right, Victor Turner Prize-winning author, Elizabeth Ferry, golden anthropologist. Hello, (laughs) Elizabeth. Um, We're joined today on my left by Albion Lawrence, string theorist, quantum theorist, and also science fiction aficionado. So welcome, Albion.
1: Great to
0: have you. Hey, so our topic today is one that I have brooded on for years, and I want to start with a full disclosure that for um, half a century, my dad was a bench scientist and my mom was an English professor. So it's not surprising that I would brood on this topic. And in fact, Albion, Elizabeth and I have been chewing on it for months now. Basically at its root, the question is why do scientists seem to do collaboration and teamwork Better than other kinds of scholars and academics. Now, I know there are a thousand ways to dissect that question. After all, some humanists do work in collaborative teams, especially in Scandinavia, and many scientists, especially mathematicians and physicists, like, say, string theorists, um, do their best work alone. I don't know, Albion, would you say no? Oh my God, Albion is violently shaking his head. Okay, so to be discussed. <laughs> like, okay. Podcast, so maybe it's not true. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't sure what I was that supposed was like to do yeah, yeah, No, 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 no. no, no. It was Okay. Silent scream, yes. So, But in <laughs> okay, the main, scientists, especially lab scientists, yeah. seem to have some special sauce going on when it comes to thinking deep thoughts in a semi-detached way and then bringing them back into contact with others who will challenge them, push them and bring those thoughts somewhere unexpected. So the, the basis of our conversation is something like, are feeble humanists and potentially feeble social scientists, mm-hmm. I don't know, simply missing the boat or... Is there something else, something about the thinking that we do, a kind of disciplinary specificity that makes more doses of solitude or maybe even secrecy a necessity in some places in the academy and not in others? And where do social scientists fit in this triangulation or access? perennial problem. Is it a perennial problem? And also, more cynically, and I think we're going to have a lot to say about this, is there reason to be suspicious? of various discourses of team building or group collaboration that are making their way now out of Silicon Valley and out of corporate America into our universities. And you know the answer of course is no, there's nothing to fear. No, no, no problem, there's nothing to see here. Um, so that's our discussion today and we're gonna dive right in with Albion introducing the text that we have chosen to give us a nice chewy example of when scientific collaboration works well. So Albion, what book did you suggest and why is it a good place to start?
1: Um, so the book I suggested was uh, Richard Rhodes' book, The Making of the Atomic Bomb. This is a, uh, it's a big book. It's a essential, a combination of several things. Um, first and foremost, it's a history of uh, early 20th century science, quant- uh, physics, quantum mechanics, and uh, nuclear physics uh, combined with the history of the making of the atomic bomb, which uh, forms its title. Um, it's uh, a combination of individual biography, of individual science, sort of a, a grouper, uh, sort of social biography of the community of theoretical physicists in Western Europe and, and the United States uh, and to a lesser degree Japan. Um,
0: yeah, collective biography is a good way of thinking about a, it. I agree. It's very right. character focused and yet it's like a cast of thousands. But it
1: works on various scales. But of course combined with the, his, with the history of the time. Because obviously that's, it's important to understand the making of the atomic bomb, but yeah. also it's important and under it then feeds back and, and forms the motivations of each individual scientist, many yeah. of whom were and Jewish, many of whom were. Yeah, there's uh, science writing. And and it's, you know, it's and favorite. I was going to say one of the reasons that this book is admired amongst physicists is as science writing it's superb. Richard Rose does not have, as I understand it, any science background, but he gets it right in way many. Books written by scientists often don't. So yeah, I and also that, just to
0: push the point about right. the te- temporality of it a little bit, it is. It starts off with the with Rutherford and the discovery of the nature That's of the right. atom, which is the 1890s. Or something. That's right. That's right. So it goes back well before Hiroshima, but then it does this right. amazing thing of accelerating as the kind of right. crucial years and then months. Exactly, go on. and then really yeah. compressed, and then it yeah, it's compressed. Exactly. expands out yeah. and.
1: Expands out in focus. Much like the, the atom bomb itself. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and so I, I mean, the, in terms of our conversation, I thought it was a really good view of science as a as the collective enterprise that I think it actually is. Um, it talks a lot about its nature in the early 20th century, a style which is true in some areas of physics of, you know, these, these sort of networks of collaborators, of uh, advising mentor relationships, of sort of centers of, uh, centers of training and research and constant interaction through conferences, through visits to different institutions. And then you see it develop into a much more organized um, endeavor through the Manhattan Project. And that style of physics, or that style of science, of course, continues in particle physics, and particularly through the, what's called big science after the war, through the right. rise of large experiments which require uh, complex accelerators, large numbers of people building them. It's almost an industrial
0: enterprise. In so it's solid. like if you build it, they will come. The scientists get come to cluster around large pieces of right. equipment. Or...
1: Right. And it's, it's a much more – I mean it's a large number of scientists that do it, because, and because it just takes that many scientists to do right. it, it requires a whole infrastructure of, of technical staff. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, right. It's, it's, it,
0: um, right. But can I just jump to the chase Alvin? we can go back to the yeah, – you violently shook your head when you said – when I said mathematicians and string theorists can go it alone. And I just want to understand because as a string theorist, right. you don't need any equipment at all, right? No. I mean you're, you're all – your equipment is up in your so, head. So it's only so.
1: – I think the equipment is only part of, of course, the driving mm-hmm. force. Any laboratory, of course, needs and probably always did need its assistance and so forth. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, and certainly, those experiments have gotten more complex. And to launch a major accelerator experiment, or an underground lab, or a satellite, just takes a huge number of people. But many of the people discussed in this book are theorists, uh, maybe, uh, and nonetheless, even at that level, there you already saw a high degree of interaction between yeah. theorists, collaborations between theorists. In string theory, yeah. it's relatively rare for people to write solo papers. I mean, it's not, Mm -hmm. I mean, relatively, you know, in the tens of percenters. I Mm -hmm. haven't guessed it, but I I write very few papers by myself and I think that's the
2: norm. I mean, one of the things that I think is really compelling about the book, too, is the way, it's not just a matter of different expertise or different kinds of labs that have different sorts of infrastructures, but you see people sort of batting ideas back and forth a lot. Yeah. Right. And, you know, getting stuck on something and that somebody right. else has a little something to nudge. That's and that right. That happens in every, you know, sphere of inquiry. Right. But the way in which it's kind of institutionalized within the sciences seems different.
1: That's right. I mean, that's, uh, you could really see that. And partly you could see it. And that's why in some, the personal biographical focus mm-hmm. was yeah. nice because you could see how it worked at the level of, individual ideas. Maybe
0: just to give our listeners a flavor because I think everyone should read this book. I was spellbound from the beginning to the end but I just went through picking out random sentences and And I will just tell you the first two sentences I picked out were Mm -hmm. like on page 83 then Bohr arrived and the question they discussed was and then on page 284 as soon as we entered the office Bohr rushed to the blackboard telling me now listen I have it and he started uh, scribbling still without speaking a word and drawing graphs on the blackboard he broke several pieces of chalk in the process. Uh Right. So, I mean, I realize Bohr is the hero in both of those, but, right. you know, there's that image of just, right, I mean, there's no technology. This is not about Fermi making a reactor. This is just about people rushing into the room and scribbling and right. that that's what they need to do is scribble in the presence of someone else.
1: Right. and That's right. And talk things over. And people also have it's a sufficiently complex subject that people coming in with different styles of doing work, different sort of mathematical toolkits are important in any given project I and mean, yes. drive things forward.
0: So so not to be like, not to pick on the perverse end of this side of things, but I, the Manhattan Project is, I mean, it's a bomb making project. Yes. So yes. we obviously could spend all day talking about the political consequences. Yes. It, but I'm not suggesting necessarily we need to think about like, you know, what half man wrought. Right. But there's a specific turn where people like Bohr and and also this guy whose name I can't say is Is that his name? Z- Zillard.
1: Zillard, I think. Yeah, I mean. he's a
0: Hungarian. He's a Hungarian working in mm. America. And Fermi realized that the consequences of what they're now working on is that what they call the republic of science. I think that's right. the Polanyi model of yeah. mm-hmm. like a pure openness get needs to be turned into a site of secrecy. Right. Is that how do you understand? Is that like an anomaly like that's just a one-off because they were making an atom bomb? Or is that a long-standing story in science of the 20th and 21st century that secrecy and openness are always going to be in tension?
1: This is a super interesting question. So certainly it was there in the Manhattan Project. And part of the tension was, in addition to the ideological um, component, was, yeah. of course, on the one hand, by nature, you probably wanted this to be secret. You didn't want the Germans to know about it. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Or if you were anti-communist, you didn't want the Soviets to know about it. Right. On the other hand, There's a compelling argument for that that for these kinds of things to develop, you need as much openness as possible. So there was a lot of argument about within the sort of envelope of secrecy how compartmentalized things were, and that phrase compartmentalization was used. And there's the
0: wonderful debate about whether all the people at Los Alamos are going to be conscripted into the army. Right, exactly. Initially they are, but then maybe they're going to push it off a little bit.
1: So there's another example uh, comes to mind later, this involvement of basic scientists and military work continued and continues. One example is this group called the Jasons, who are, uh, um, I don't know their current status, it's mm. actually a bit up in the air currently, but they're a group of of mostly physicists originally um, who advised them, who would go to meet someplace in the summer, I think down in San Diego, mm-hmm. advise mm-hmm. the military or work on very specific problems. Mm. Out of this came-
2: Is that why they're called the Jasons? Like the, in July, August, September?
1: No, that God. was, well so done. there's a good book on this by Ann Finkbeiner, and I think that was one of the theories, but I don't remember if that was the actual right. reason, but yeah. it, the reasons for this name were discussed. Uh-huh. And ideas were developed there that were clearly of use to basic science, such as what's called adaptive optics. It's a way of adjusting a telescope on the ground to deal with atmospheric corrections. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Developed. In part, I think by Freeman Dyson mm-hmm. in the 60s, or 70s, um, and then eventually redeveloped by astronomers. I think in the 90s. It's been mm-hmm. a while since I've read this book. Mm-hmm. It was the astro- when the astronomers found out that the military had been sitting this this forever, they were quite furious. Mm-hmm. They lost out on this yeah. opportunity. But I would also say that there are other reasons for secrecy, and this maybe get into this might get into these other team building questions, yeah. which is of course corporate secrecy. Right. If you yeah. have right. a, that's where yeah. I w- that's yeah. where I was yeah. going. Yeah. If you have some sort of if. In corporate research often they'll want to protect those secrets, and that seems to run against the model by which we scientists think we work best. which is right. yeah. the out in the open, and
2: also the kind of ethics of you know, right. can knowledge be proprietary.
1: Right. Mm-hmm. And so there, and so then there's a the question of what structure supports what. So the the gold standard of corporate research, in some sense, was Bell Labs, where yes. a certain I- amount of openness did prevail. That mm-hmm. had a lot to do with the nature of Bell Labs and the, and the structure of Bell Labs. It was a pep, sort of a regulated or controlled monopoly. It didn't mm-hmm. have to yep. worry about competitors. Right, and right. the government had some pressure to bear – could bring some pressure to bear on Bell Labs in terms no. of how it would be used. So
0: I, I, I heartily uh, recommend James Glick's book, The Information on that. Like, I should about, read this. About Claude Shannon and – John yeah. Gardner's book, The Idea yeah. Factor, is, is really yeah. superb on, on yeah, that yeah, yeah. as
1: well. So th- this was another model. And I think that model, for various reasons, uh, there are still – Labs like that, I think Microsoft mm-hmm. runs a basic research lab of mm-hmm. right? mm-hmm. that. It used to be there were then a number of labs that operated like that.
0: Does God. Google not claim to run a lab like that? I thought they did, but then – or do they just straightforwardly say that what they do is proprietary? And
1: I, I should know and don't. I, I mean, to I know they have like, like a blue skies division,
0: right. but it may be that it's blue skies. But – but only within, like, right. within the prison only that is Google vertically. or something. Vertical blue sky. I yeah, should exactly know the answer right. to this, yeah, but I don't. Like but, nice high walls, right. but blue sky overhead. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I mean, some of their work does
1: get, uh, the work that people do does, uh, does get published. I have a friend who yeah. works at Facebook who's has yeah. publishing article, pure science articles. So yeah. eventually this recent announcement of their, of the... Uh, uh, quote, quote unquote quantum supremacy is supposed to yes, be right. a paper. Big paper's been leaked. Interesting. That kind of uh-huh. that level of secrecy is normal, and you even see it in this book. But Bohr wanting to wait to give Meitner and was Meitner and Frisch yeah. uh, time to develop to um, publish a certain work to give them enough credibility so yeah. they could get out. <laughs> yeah, um, that's yeah. Uh, very interesting. And yeah. so yeah. clearly, those basic sort of
2: uh,
1: sort of micro level of secrecy,
2: right the okay. I mean, competition even was always there. Even in the double helix, there's that. Yeah. Kind of right.
1: But yeah. that's less, uh, and, and that's always a balance. Uh, and you don't want to reveal your ideas, especially, you don't want to reveal your ideas too early if you think someone's going to run off. Right. Them. There's this whole
0: right. tradition of like true. announcing, right. making announcements in code, right? Right. Like people will right. put a newspaper ad in, which is a coded right. claim to priority. Right. So, right. So secrecy has uh, been there in so, the beginning.
2: Hold on. So if they do that, if someone does that, then it's kind of professional courtesy, not like I'm putting a little flag in this and you shouldn't now publish? Well, so no, it's like the one I
0: remember, I think is the discovery of Neptune. Do you, anybody know the details about this? Yeah. But it's like the point was that they didn't want to reveal it yet, but they wanted to be able to go back and say, if you look oh, at the March yeah. 20th, 1827 edition right. of the Times.
2: I already getting, said that.
0: Yeah, okay. I already said that. It. It's very know. interesting. So in other words, like I love the Polanyi model of the openness. Right. I liked how you said right. it, Albion, that we scientists like to think that, that right. we're operating under, but obviously it's always had sure. like, gray zones anyway.
1: and how open you can be depends on your status in the field it will yeah. depend on mm-hmm. what fierce competition for scarce resources yeah. feels right. where there are more people than problems versus yeah. problem more problems than people but
2: gray zones is not the same thing as a different kind of an yeah. infrastructure
1: right yeah, yeah I true. think the basic infrastructure is very open and yeah. collaboration and discussion. Okay, can I
0: just summarize where we are today? Because I want to, I want to make sure that we get to the question of the disciplinary difference, which I'm sure Elizabeth and I both have things to say about mm-hmm. as being outside. So, what I understand you saying, Albion, is that you're actually like you're doubling down on the notion of the space of openness and collaboration. Like you're affirming that that is kind of woven into the fabric of a lot of yes, what happens when we do science. So now we're gonna talk. We're going to eventually get to the question of whether the humanities and social sciences, what like what happened that we don't have that. Mm -hmm. And then but we're going to do it by way of the topic you just opened, Albion, which is like the team building and corporate kind of propagandistic, let's say, accounts of like how this model of collaboration can be revenueized or prioritized. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, so Bell Labs is an interesting example. But I think your point is great. Like they had a monopoly already, which enabled them to not worry so much about like being scooped or. Right. right, Yeah. Right. I mean, one of the things that I feel like we we experience in the humanities is this kind of um, I don't I don't think the right word is scientization, but maybe it's like the impetus to be scientistic, that in the humanities, people are told your grants will, you know, will will flow more freely if only you could argue like scientists and think like scientists more. And so that's yeah, that's a conditioning pressure now on how the humanities work. And again, like I mean, as I said, as the child of an English professor and a bench scientist, like I love both sides of that. Form of knowledge, <laughs> you know. I'm all He's for it.
2: Say well, say. I, well
0: they, it, assuming they <laughs> listen, yeah. Exactly, but but I do worry sometimes that what the human there's a distorting lens there where the humanity, if the humanity, like I want the humanities to figure out ways to be more like science at its best without just faking it in order to like basically appeal, uh-huh. appeal. Like I don't want us like to put on the
2: rhetoric. Yeah, I
0: don't want us yep. to put on the rhetoric of of science, which is I definitely think what those Europeans do. I mean, I don't mean to slam the Scandinavian <laughs> grant giving institutions, but I do think this whole notion that you what you really want is to be part of a five million dollar, you know, research team on leisure and the aesthetic. It, it's just, you know, people create a pseudo scientific framework which right. doesn't really exist. So mm-hmm. so that's my that's my kind of wheat and chaff problem with the humanities. Like I actually think a lot of the things we do, we do do best alone. And, mm. you know, we don't, we need a team for some things. We don't need a team for other things. That's reasonable. So, yeah. 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 Maybe yeah. this is
2: a moment that I can ask a question with a little bit of uh, pseudo, well, I won't even call it ethnography, but, but so I, I have a little bit of a vice of reading the announcement articles of the Nobel prize. Okay. Um, this is like a genre that every year comes out. Yes. It usually has yes. a, you know. They didn't believe it. They thought that someone was putting them on, right. and there's there some quite, you know, the charming standard, moments, yeah, right? yeah. It, fills a, standard, it has a genre, yeah. um, but it also kind of gives you this view, which may or may not be a accurate view of teams, right? It's mm. um, at least with some of them, so, right. so, for example, there was the recent one. Uh, just to pick up on a couple of them, one of them was the recent one in, in. Um, medicine right right in which you really seem to get a sense of these you know putting together different pieces of the puzzle right right and then the other one which is not uh the physical sciences but the economic sciences such as Mm. (laughs) um we can talk we can have a different episode about that oh yeah maybe yeah um which is the uh recent one that was given to the team that's working on the randomized control uh trials and development economics um, and there, there's this announcement of these three people, um, but then a kind of um, at least public recognition that the three people represent a whole number of different sure. organizations, mm, mm-hmm. sure. not just scientists, but also NGOs and mm, individual right, people. Right. Um, so those are kind of two different views or images or performances of right. what t- teams are. So I'm just curious what your thoughts are about that.
1: So certainly there are many there are Nobels given to large teams mm-hmm. in the sciences and it's always an issue so it, one was given to um, it, to the group that found the found the Higgs awarded to Fabiola was was the uh, director uh, yeah, of the, at the time, and but, didn't our uh,
0: colleague John Wardle just share like? Didn't he just get one three hundredth of the prize for photographing the black hole?
1: I do, oh, did he actually yeah. get money from that? That yeah, could yeah, well yeah, be. Yeah. So there yeah. can be different models of how you distr- do that yeah. by yeah. convention. You know, the Nobel Prize was baked in in the was it late nineteen. Mm-hmm. Century. Um, Maybe early. This 20th, is only, this but, only yeah. goes to Late 19th, yeah. uh, actually. I don't know what the original rule is, but now it's it only goes to three people. Oh, that's right. right. There's it's a structure number. that yeah, is yeah, not. Yeah. It's a structure that's not obviously well adapted to yeah. the way yeah. si- the way science operates.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, I hadn't realized that was part of the. Yeah, I
0: forgot yeah, that. That's should, always yeah. a restriction,
1: and so huh. I would have people. Never entirely sure they were joking if they really liked the paper saying I'm only going to allow two collaborators on this paper. Ah, <laughs>
0: that's really funny. Um, yeah.
1: So, uh wow. you know, At least one case I'm pretty sure they weren't joking.
0: But so, um, why did Watson and Crick have to kill Rosalind Franklin? Then right? <laughs> yeah. they could have yeah. let her in, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, so,
1: so that's uh, so that's one model, and I would say also they're they're clearly. Prizes for I with a, is closer to what you are talking about, not for mm-hmm. lab, but for something that really was a collective effort, where maybe only one right. person got it yeah, for whatever right. reason. Ken Wilson's Nobel is a mm-hmm. good example. Wilson, in his lecture, says this should have also been shared by Leo Kadanoff by Michael Fisher, uh-huh. uh, who had done right. really important work leading up to it. Yep. Um, this work is often built on other people. Other people did it at the same time, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So there is always it's always a, it's often a very the prizes are often very problematic in that respect. Right. Right.
2: And it seems like yeah. it. Maybe is connected to a little bit of what you're saying about these, the scientization of the humanities, that there's a little bit of a, you know, let's call it fetishizing of the team, right? Like the right. yeah. team has a certain form and that science has to be produced in a certain way that has this team-like quality.
1: But and... To go back to the book, what you yeah, see is I... teams Teams are clearly important. And once you get I... to the Manhattan Project, yeah. it's it's centrally yeah. important. It's um, why we
0: talk about Oppenheimer so much, right? Because he, to proved, a large degree, he was right. an amazing leader. He proves uh, to have leader. this totally unexpected bureaucratic right. ability, and
1: know. and uh, that's right. And um, on the other hand, especially in the in the early part of the 20th century, there were local teams, but yeah. it was much more local teams interacting with each other yep. in various yeah. ways, groups, mm-hmm. uh, different networks structured around different sort of Rutherford or Bohr, um, and so forth. Um, sort of interacting in a in a much richer way. Mm-hmm. So it, it was that kind of open business was clearly important. It wasn't just having a lab where everyone talks to each other, but many labs were uh, with different expertise, people talking to each other and constant contact between
0: mm-hmm. them. So so how how seriously do you take questions of like physical proximity or accidental contact? Like, but people talk a lot about building twenty at MIT. Like, do you think that's an important part of it? Yes,
1: I think. Um, Certainly, you see uh, on various levels, it really, I've seen it make a difference in places I've been. Where, as when I was a postdoc at Harvard, as we shifted from an old part of Lyman to a rebuilt facility in Jefferson, uh, mm-hmm. Leashed, mm-hmm. uh where the particle theorist removed. Yeah. A much more coherent facility, blackboards everywhere, students interlaced with faculty yeah. instead of dispersed about the building made a huge difference in the functioning mm. uh, yeah. and how research was done at Harvard also just made it infinitely more pleasant yeah. place That's to be. And there are like, places where it's acknowledged that the space was important. At it, Slack and yeah. going back to the 60s, people were all packed in together. Um, I know I have a one of my postdoctoral men- Torres was a founder of a thriving string theory group that existed at Rutgers from the mid-80s into the, right. into the right. mid-90s. And they said, A, they designed that space to sort of maximize these kind of interactions that clothing yeah. worked. He also said... Absolutely the most productive time was before that building was built. we were all packed into trailers. and couldn't
0: Totally, because Building 20 was not designed. It was completely accidental. I mean, like, Noam Chomsky only ended up there at, like, kicking and screaming, I think, because there was no space for him in a better building. Right. And so these –
1: so certainly that matters. And I think also geographic proximity can really matter. Um, The Mm -hmm. ability to get from one place to the other, it's, I think, one – advantage of being for example in the Boston area where, totally and, right. and even in the New England area because New York is not hard yeah. to get to
0: and I think our colleague Adam Jaffe did some work about the persistence of geographical advantage in patents like mm-hmm. basically one of the best determinants for deciding whether somebody's going to get a patent is how far they live from other people who get patents, right? You know, so it's a dense yeah. pack theory. So Silicon right. Valley continues to have a competitive edge. I'm sure Stanford and Berkeley. Yeah, and I'm and sure the... you're right about East Cambridge, right. too. Wait, mm-hmm. Alvin, I just have to selfishly. Can I ask, is there a walking and talking tradition in science?
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and
0: uh, there's a mountaineering tradition. No uh, kidding.
1: And also sort of a hiking tradition. It's alluded mm-hmm. to a bit in this book. There are uh, has its yeah. tragic sides as well. I yes. would say. I just mm-hmm. lost a couple of good colleagues oh, um, in mountaineering accidents, but uh, but certainly uh, there's a that's right a hist- uh, a tradition of of walking up a mountain and arguing. Yeah. To, so I'm
0: trying to bring that back into humanity. That I I think is an unalloyed good. So I have these oh, yeah, peripatetic yeah. seminars yeah. that I try to organize, yeah. but it's an uphill yeah. battle okay, so to so speak. So I'm going
2: to propose yeah. an analogy. So if this right. model yeah. of science is to mountaineering as right. the Silicon Valley model is to rock climbing.
0: Oh my God, that that's taste? so insidious. <laughs> Ooh Because it's like structured corporate play is that what you mean? It's yeah like, well rock yeah.
2: climbing is a big you know it plays a similar yeah. role
0: um, Yeah you drive your Tesla the, to the indoor gym. Exactly yeah. right,
2: right? <laughs> And yet it's it's a much more controlled and sort of miniaturized
0: environment.
1: Depends what you're climbing, I suppose.
0: <laughs> right, exactly. I know physicists to do
1: that too. So. Yeah, yeah. It's a, uh,
0: so, speaking of which, I wanted to say, I wanted to propose one sort of like complicator to this model that we're talking about, in which the disciplinary differences are really important, which is that you guys know this book by Jamie Cohen Cole called The Open Mind. And it's about like the structuring myths of universities. Mm -hmm. And he makes the point that basically in the post-war period, right up through basically to the Berkeley free speech movement. So let's say 45 to 60. When is free speech? 66, 65. That you have this paradigm that the university thrives by being the home of the open mind. And I guess what I was thinking about is that that's actually a formulation that erases the differences between collaboration and solitary thought because the whole point is that what you're supposed to treasure is spaces of um deliberate ignorance or something like it's you know mm-hmm. the open mind is where you're supposed to you you know check all your beliefs at the door oh i see
2: uh-huh right it's like the Clifford here it's kind of wrong
0: i guess so because i would just feel like alvin like what you're saying when you're talking about people bringing a different toolkit to right. problem solving that really prioritizes the notion that people have like different things that they do really well with their brains that they mm-hmm. then put in contact with each other the open mind model well, I, is a little different
1: i, I don't yeah. know it's very hard just in absentia to come up with a new way of thinking yeah and right. one way to do this is to talk to other people yeah it sort of force you out of your whatever little corner like you area. have to and explicate that's the across difference yeah. that's right and that's the yeah. value of these kinds of exchanges it just it it's it's all very nice to say okay I'm going to check my conceptions and then come up with a new way of thinking. Yeah. Personally, and maybe it's a failing of mine. I have no idea how to do that in practice. The most effective way is yeah. to talk to people who like, yeah. maybe kind there's of kick me in the people, rear. A few
2: humans who can do that. But right. The vast majority
1: don't. Right. We all have our Go ways of doing way. things, and the ways we've been brought up to do yeah, things. And yeah, yeah, real yeah. To-
0: Heideggerian thrownness and all um, that. Yeah, I get I it. it. Like- yeah. No, um, that's true. Um, but one formulation that Cohen Cole has that I really like is he says that it the um, the university stopped being a model of the nation and became a model for the nation. That is, that it no longer was that the university should look like America. It was Mm -hmm. like, no, America should look like the university. (laughs) And his point is that that's like this really fragile consensus that both liberals and conservatives ultimately end up rejecting. Right. Yeah. I don't know. So, Elizabeth, can you say more about, like, I set this up as like, maybe it's a triangle or maybe it's a number line in terms of where social sciences Mm, are in relation to, can you say more about your thoughts about that?
2: Yeah. Um, I mean, anthropology is a weird example because anthropology is so sort of built on the mythos of the one researcher in this kind of, you know, um, intrepid engagement. Right. um, Oh, yeah. With, Uh you know, people with whom that anthropologist is deeply unfamiliar or something like that. Right. Right. Um, I'm not defending that model necessarily. But that's such a it's so sort of baked into the discipline that it's hard to. Right. um,
0: Though nowadays those folks are so connected where even with. Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah.
2: And and nowadays, I think partly because of the European funding model and Mm -hmm. and other things um, happening in the US there's much more emphasis on kind of team sorts of projects, mm. although it often ends up being uh, one person who kind of gets, you know, kind of crowned as the main person mm-hmm. in, in that. Right. So there's still a sort of individualizing at the top, I think I would yeah. argue. Um, but I think, you know, I the question of like, whether it's team or individual, I think is an, is a version of, the dilemma that anthropology is kind of always in, which is, are we a science or are we a humanities? Yeah, right. right. I see. Um, yeah, and which you know that that I mean, the example that I was going to give for recallable books, mm. if I can mm. jump ahead for a second.
0: Yeah, yeah, sure. Do, do your recallable book. Yeah, and it
2: sort of speaks to what you're saying. Is this um, very famous um, team based project, but not exactly in the same way as as you're describing, Albion. Um, which is called the People of Puerto Rico, which is a project. I think it was published in 1956, and it was um, a uh, it was directed by Julian Stewart uh, and it had at Columbia, and it was five of his doctoral students, and each of them took a different uh, place in Puerto Rico. A different one mm-hmm. was a coffee plantation. One was sugar cane workers. It was a there's an urban one. Um, in fact, Robert Manners, who was a professor for a long time in the department mm. here at Brandeis, was one of them. Um, and the idea was that this was a way for anthropology to start talking about, to move beyond the so-called village mm. and to start talking about what how a nation is composed, right? So it was very um, pointedly called not the peoples of Puerto Rico, but the people mm. of Puerto Rico. Huh.
0: And was one of them New Yorican? Like, was somebody embedded in New York?
2: No. Nowadays,
0: nowadays I think nowadays that would happen. Nowadays it would be, yeah. yes.
2: Hmm. Um, and in fact, there's been some very interesting kind of discussions of how that what that would look like. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that was sort of like taking the anthropological solitary model. Yeah. It was kind of a modular structure. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And fitting it in within this team, yeah. but not. I'm sure there was a lot of batting back and forth of right. ideas. I mean, there must have been. So can. But yeah. and, the, and the authors talk yeah. about that. But that wasn't the way it was structured.
0: Yeah. I think this might be a great time to move two recallable books so Elizabeth do you want to say do you want to add a recallable book or was that your that's an I excellent think that's, one I think okay. that was mine cool yeah. and Albion do you want to tell us about yours so this is the portion of the show where we think about if you liked the sorts of things we're talking about today where else would you want to go uh,
1: so I, I'll just run out of left field just yeah. for
0: fun which is mine is out of left field too <laughs> um the <laughs> book the field's uh, getting crowded uh,
1: yeah but, book, A Message to Our Folks. Um, the hmm. last name is Steinbeck. It's a history of the art ensemble of Chicago. Wow. Hmm. And this uh, um, sort of experimental music group that came out of the south side of Chicago in the
0: 50s and 60s. And Oh, wow. Yeah, we it, haven't talked about creative ensembles at all. And, yeah. and so this is hmm.
1: one, um, and this is, I think, partly in the nature of, of jazz at the time. You get a sense of people are involved in different sort of overlapping groups. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it, it's a similar model of you know sort of groups coming together for yeah. projects, sometimes for very long periods yeah. of time, yeah. people being in several groups, obviously trading ideas off of each other. It also pays a lot of attention to the context that could generate a scene like that. Totally. Right. Um, yeah, that's right. Very... What was going on in Southside Chicago um, af- uh, during and after World War II that allowed yeah. this kind of thing to flower? What? How do people get the education they get? What? How could they that's find awesome. venues to play and to interact right. with each other? Mm. Yeah. Why do you not see this now, et cetera? That's great. It's mm. all, uh, oh, so I cool. think that's a very interesting yeah. thing to think about in this, if you're thinking about sort of models of, of
0: creative interaction. Yeah, that's for another for good version of like why group biographies are necessary. And especially since it's Chicago, home of the Chicago school, that's mm. so perfect. Right. Um, I Actually, that makes me wish that I had chosen Lunar Men by Jenny Uglo, but oh. I'll name check mm-hmm. it anyway because okay. that's a great, great. book about, um, about Birmingham in the 1810s um so mine is even further out of left field. Okay. Mine's out of the bleachers. Um, mm-hmm. It's uh, George Eliot's Middlemarch. Perhaps you've heard of it. Uh, <laughs> and the reason being that it's your sets copy is up... sitting on my bookshelf. Now, oh, really? So awesome. Just waiting to be Oh, yeah, be yeah. Bad, yeah so. Of course, right. We talked about it. Yeah. So it has it basically. It, there's a scientist at the center who I think my dad has always identified with, named Lydgate. And then there's mm-hmm. also this dry as dust scholiastic, I guess, humanist, basically named Casaubon, who is like the least human character, and he's just mm-hmm. caught up in his own mind writing a terrible book called key to all key to
2: all, key to all
0: mythologies thank you so much and he's basically just constantly involved in trench warfare with other yeah. people and so yeah. he epitomizes humanities as just like arid isolation right. but then lydgate is incredibly poignant because he actually is committed to being part of this scientific world mm-hmm. but he's asking his questions a little spoiler alert he's asking his questions slightly in the wrong way and because he's no longer part of the scientific community that he was in when he was studying in paris where everything's yeah. going on um instead he's in well, also, a provincial town
2: doesn't yeah. he hit up against Bolstrode and Mm-hmm. Yeah, he gets ca- caught up right. in life.
0: I mean, he gets caught right. up in but, having I mean, a social a, life. There is a parallel Definitely. there
2: to the questions about donors. And oh, yeah, he gets he and, gets yeah.
0: absolutely he gets implicated and tied in to yeah. an, like the, the web of influence that for other people is so emancipatory for him ultimately becomes super restrictive. So mm-hmm. it's I just find it a very poignant book because it's both about what scientific collaboration might be and also about what mm-hmm. it means that as it so often is that when it isn't. That's a great example. Um, so, yeah. Um, well, Albion, thank you so much. This has been a great um, discussion. I virtually shake your hand over the air. This well, thank is, you. Um, this was a lot of fun. Yeah, this was a lot of fun. So I should say um, that Recall, this book is hosted by John Plotz and Elizabeth Ferry. Music comes from a song by Eric Chaslow and Barbara Cassidy. Sound editing is by Claire Ogden. Website design and social media is done by Matthew Schratz. Um, We always want to hear from you with your comments, criticisms, or suggestions for future episodes. Please email us directly or contact us via social media and our website. And finally, you know I'm going to say this, but I will keep on saying it. If you enjoyed today's show, please, please be sure to write a review or rate us on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. And also just forward it to your friends or other people you think might be interested. And you may be interested, if you enjoyed this, in checking out past episodes, including topics like new and old media, opiate addiction, post-industrial America, and recent interviews with Xi Shen Liu, Zadie Smith, Samuel Delaney, and the English filmmaker Mike Lee. So from all of us here at Recall This Book, And that, thanks was, the for listening. And that was the public
2: announcement. And that was <laughs> the public announcement. It's coming. Yeah.